Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I am Leah, and I am joined by Bonnie, Katie, Eden, and Claire, and we are talking about our one cool suffrage thing. So, I've got a glorious list of things here that everybody talked about. So, Eden talked about Frances Harper, and Claire talked about the Statue of Liberty and Matilda Gage. Sorry, the Statue of Liberty protest. That part's important. And Matilda Gage. Uh, Bonnie talked about suffragettes on the move. I love it. And Katie talked about Alice Paul. Did I get them all? Yep. What did I win, Alex? All right. So, <laughs> balloons. <laughs> really good. I win votes for women. That's what I win. <laughs> Sweet. But before we dive back in, let's get to know something random about our gal pals. So, I have basically like a mean little quiz where we just kind of get to shout out things. Did you know that 14 states? Uh, women could actually vote before the 19th Amendment. We're talking as early as 1890. There were some states where women could actually vote. And I thought I'd throw it out there and see how many of the states we can name. All right. Wyoming. Wyoming. Say, yes. In unison. Everyone Wyoming. Wyoming was the very first one. That's the 1890 one where mm-hmm. women could actually vote. There you go. All right. So we've got Wyoming. 13. Here we go. My sarcastic answer is not enough, but my real answer Correct. is South Dakota. Correct. <laughs> right. In 1918, South Dakota women could vote. Yes. Correct. Uh, New York. New York. Yes. 1917. New oh, York. Wow. California. Yes. California. Yes. 1911. Women could vote in California. Utah. Utah. Yes. 1896. Oregon. Women could vote. Oregon. No. But oh. also, it might not have been a state yet. Oh, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Because I know like Alaska took yes. a little bit of time. So that might, that <laughs> might be on. I think 48. Four, there was 48 by 1920. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So then we didn't have Alaska and Hawaii, so it would have been yes. Oregon. Okay, gotcha. So then that would have been later. Let's see, we've got a few more. Oh, wait, uh, wait. Hold on. Holy crap, there's Oregon sitting over there in 1912, just over kind of by his little some side there. Sorry, Oregon. Got it. Sorry, Oregon. <laughs> Sorry, Oregoners. <laughs> Oregoners? I don't know. No. Well, if we, said North, if we said South Dakota, what about North Dakota? North Dakota, I do not have on here. Okay. Right, exactly. Is but Minnesota one of them? Minnesota is not one of them. Okay. Hmm. Idaho. South Dakota was more progressive than Minnesota once. Woo. I know <laughs> once, right? Uh, Idaho <laughs> is on there. 1896 is Idaho. Yes. Montana? Montana is 1914. Yes. Okay. How many are we on? Washington State. Washington State, 1910. One, okay. two, three, four, five. We have six left. Oh, six. Nevada. Nevada, yes, 1914. 
Did anybody I'm say to Texas? Picture the map in my head. Nobody oh, said Texas. And Texas leading the way. <laughs> right. Texas is not on there, actually. Oh. Yeah, my internet yes. cut out, so I'm behind the game. I know exactly. You're like going, I'm going to mention states that people have mentioned before. <laughs> yeah. um, what about Colorado? Yes, Colorado, 1893. All right. Yeah, relatively early on. Do you guys want to know the last of them? Wait. Mm -hmm. How many? How about New Mexico and Arizona? Um, Arizona, 1912, and New Mexico, no. Oh. We have three left. Dun, 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 dun. Do you want to know what they are? No, not yet. <laughs> Bonnie's like, I love the game. <laughs> she loves a game. What about Ohio, or was that only partial? Um, Ohio, no, wasn't before the 19th Amendment. Yep. Missouri? Uh, nope, not before the 19th Amendment. Hmm. Yeah, Missouri. Uh, Indiana got, got partial. 1917, women could vote for the president, mm -hmm. but not full, not full on voting rights. Yeah. Illinois? Uh, nope. Illinois is not on there. Hmm. Hmm. Three left. A lot of Western states. Maine. No. Did anybody mm -hmm. say Kansas? <gasps> Kansas is one of them. There you go. Kansas. Oh. Down to two. Two, I will say, middle section, central-ish. Oklahoma. Michigan. Both of them. Michigan and Oklahoma are the oh, last two. Oh, nice. You killed it. Look at that. That is the 14 state. And I'll put a list in the show notes of all of those. Cool. But those are the states where women could vote prior to the 19th Amendment. That is still not, of course, all of the states. So, you know. Right. <laughs> But yes, wait, oh, I love it. Okay, do you guys want to know about my yes. one cool gal? Yes. All right, yeah. so the suffrage movement, I mean, like we, we talked about it, we talked even about the um, the convention at Seneca Falls, that's really kind of where it, it gets a name and it gets a movement and it gets a grounding. And that was in Seneca Falls, New York, and that was 1848. Well, I'm going to go back a little bit further. I'm going to back it up because my gal was born 100 years before Seneca Falls. Oh, wow. <laughs> but she was a very heavy influence on the suffrage movements in the world, and they're still actually studied to this day, her ideologies on women. Um, my gal also has a pretty famous daughter, who also wrote a revolutionary book in her own right. Uh, so my one cool suffrage gal is Mary Wollstonecraft. Yes. Yeah. Okay, all right, cool. Yes. I have become obsessed with this woman, yes. and I just love the crap out of her. So Mary's most famousness is for her book, The Vindication of the Rights of Women. And that's the book that really helped uh, fuel the suffrage movement and the feminist movement in many different ways is The Vindication Rights of Women. It's hard to read, I I'll admit it. We have it at the library. I checked it out. There it is. It's hard to read. I mean, it's written in 1792. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different time. There was different capital-like things, so it's difficult. <laughs> But I just read other people talking about what it's about, and that really, really helps me. So um, now when she first published it, she published it under her initials, MW. That was very common at the time for 
a theory for a pamphlet, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it also meant it hid her identity as a woman, uh, but she didn't do it to hide her identity. That was just the common thing in like a treatise, basically. Um, but people loved it. They thought it was a great idea. Um, it really, really connected with people. Um, but uh, then when they found out it was by a woman, hmm, hold on a second. <laughs> That kind of gave it a little something different. So, yes. So, one of the things that it really gives the impression on in that book is the ideas of uh, separation of family name and caste system and gender and how that is an issue. So, um, according to this book, which I heavily recommend, this is called Romantic Outlaws. It is the story of Mary Wollstonecraft and her daughter, Mary Shelley. Uh, her daughter wrote Frankenstein. Yes. Mary Wollstonecraft. Wollstonecraft. Yes. I cannot. There was a drunk history. Yes, there's a drunk <laughs> history. It, it, oh, it's so good. Like, even just the first couple of minutes of that guy so, trying to say. It's hard Mary to say Wollstonecraft. I like saying it wrong just because of him. Uh, but in this book, it does one chapter on Mary Wollstonecraft and then the next chapter on Mary Shelley. And it shows how they kind of mirror them, mirror each other in a different time. Uh, but I concentrated on Mary Wollstonecraft <laughs> for this. Um, so yes, and I'm actually kind of like jumping ahead of her glorious history. But uh, when it was published uh, of the Vindication Rights of Women, and it was just published underneath of her initials, um, everybody really did assume that a dude wrote it. And they really thought, oh, this is amazing. This is men sticking up for women. You know what I mean? Like, how progressive are we? Um, but then Mary and her publisher, who she had a very good relationship with, they went and republished it. And they put her full name on it. And that's when the heavy criticism really, really, really hit because how dare a woman speak about ideas? That was radical. We're talking 1792. Um, so Mary Wollstonecraft did have a really amazing life before she even wrote A Vindication of Women's Rights. A lot of her life we know about because she wrote so many letters. She kept all of them. I think she wrote a lot of them knowing that they were going to be published. Also, uh, her husband published all of them, like, as, you know, as soon as she passed on. So, like, you know, uh, just about every one of her letters is out there. And it'll all make sense, actually, why. Uh, but her life, we know a lot about it because of her letters. And a lot of feminism waves keep studying this. But she was born in London, England. She was the second of seven children. Her mother first had a baby boy, so when Mary was born and she was a girl, she was sent away for a year because it was more important that the male was breastfed. So, yeah, so she was sent away to a wet nurse um, and didn't see her mother for the first year of her life. So, great start. Um, her father was a drunk and a gambler and an abusive. Yay! The hits keep on coming. Uh, there's a story that when Mary was a little girl, um, that she would lay down outside the door of her mother's bedroom to protect her mother when uh, her father came home in a drunken rage. That she would try wow. to basically get in the middle 
and wow. try to save her mother a little bit. Divorce was near impossible. Um, actually, before the 1800s, it talked about in the book, there was only 132 granted divorces before 1800 in England, and they were all submitted by men. So a divorce just wasn't going to happen. I mean, even if a man submitted it, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so that instead... for Henry VIII. Right, exactly. Yeah. Except unless you were, of course, yes, Henry VIII. Yes, yeah. <laughs> then it was okay. You did have to behead some people, though. <laughs> See, he couldn't even get a divorce every time he wanted one, right? Correct, yeah. exactly. So beheaded, yes. <laughs> uh, so the family moved around a lot. The father would try to find a new job or new schemes, like working on a farm, trying to, you know, work the land to keep a house over the family's head. But when Mary's mother died... Her mother's final words were, quote, little patience and it'll all be over soon. And uh, basically her mother was waiting for death um, because her life was just absolutely unbearable and there was nothing she could do about it. And there was no options out. So, I mean, that, that's like her upbringing. Uh, Mary would write later, quote, a wife being as much as a man's property as his horse or his ass and I know she's talking about a donkey, but I also love that she says ass. Um, she has nothing she can call her own. And I'm like, damn straight. So uh, Mary had two big friendships that inspired her work. Um, but I also, uh, I think she had some romantic notions for as well. Um, Jane Arden and here it comes, Bonnie, Fanny Blood. <laughs> Her name was Fanny. Her last name was Blood. This is a horrible name. <laughs> horrible, okay? Her real name is Frances. Nobody called her that. It's horrible. Uh. Um, but anyway, that's her name. Um, so Gene Arden's father, uh, he was an intellectual and he helped introduce Mary to philosophy and theory and a love of books and a love of lectures and education. Now, Fanny Blood, uh, she is credited with opening Mary's mind. Mary moved in with Fanny and her family in for a few years. Um, she really wanted to live the rest of her life with Fanny. Uh, that was her life's ambition. She's like, these guys are terrible. Can't we just be together, just you and me, and we'll, we'll work and we'll figure out a way to like earn a living. Um, they set up a school together. Mary wrote thoughts about the education of daughters and had that published. And that was a manual that was out in a lot of English schools. It had lessons plans for girls. But Fanny got married and she moved away and she got pregnant and she died before giving birth. Um, Mary was absolutely devastated. And with that pain, she wrote her first novel called Mary, a fiction. It really wasn't a fiction. <laughs> it was very much her working out what could have, should have, would have been. Um, that if Fanny didn't get married, um, if she didn't get pregnant, if she had those freedom of choices and didn't feel trapped in that dynamic, what should have, could have been. Uh, the school failed. Uh, Mary would continue to write and she would be a governess and she went to Ireland for a while. Uh, she'd make her own money. And uh, there was this revolutionary idea 
that she could make her own money on her own and not have a husband. Because we're talking 1790. This kind of crap just doesn't happen. Um, she moved to London and she got a job working for Joseph Johnson, who was a uh, intellectual publisher at the time. So Mary, she translated texts. Um, she wrote book reviews and she wrote her own books and she made a living. She would attend very famous dinner parties with the likes of Thomas Paine, who wrote Common Sense, uh, William Godwin, and Henry Fusili, the painter. Uh, she started an affair with the married Henry Fusili. Of course she did. Um, and it really didn't work out. Uh, she really tried to offer and convince a menage a trois where he could stay married and she would just kind of be the girlfriend to the relationship, kind of Wonder Woman style, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but for some odd reason, that didn't work out and that was a laughing stock. Uh, so Mary decided to go to France where there was this really interesting revolution happening. So at the time it was a very interesting revolution, um, but then pretty soon her friends were being imprisoned and people were yeah. losing their heads. That's when Marie yeah. Antoinette lost her head, yeah. Mm -hmm. So things turned pretty quickly while uh, Mary was there. <laughs> um, in this time though, uh, this wonderful dude named Edwin Burke wrote a book called The Vindication Rights of Men. And Mary went, well, this sucks and is stupid. So she wrote a vindication of the rights of men in a letter to the Right Honorable Edmund Burke. So basically, she published a book that was a retort <laughs> to his right honorableness. I thought it was hilarious. So this was 1790. And first it was published again anonymously. Um, and then the second edition uh, revealed her name and she became quite famous. Uh, that was then followed up two years later by her rights of women, the vindication of the rights of women. Uh, so, yeah. Now, unfortunately, she fell in love with an American douche canoe, and I'm, that's really what he is. I'm just saying he's, oh, he's horrible. His name was Gilbert Imlay, and he promised her that they were going to go back to America. They were gonna live in the wilderness. They were gonna have their own farm. He told her that in America, women have so many rights. <laughs> they didn't then, they didn't like in a hundred years from then, like he was lying out of his teeth. So he just kept saying some magical unicorn shit, just like really, really hoping that, you know, Mary would stay with him. Oh, he was married. He forgot to mention that, that he was also married, but he was a very important businessman who would just go on all of these business adventures. And um, yeah, so on these business adventures, really he was with a whole bunch of other women. Uh, it took two years for this guy to poof, uh, to fully leave, but in that time, Mary became pregnant. So they can't really marry because he's already married. So they were married is what they told everybody, but there was no paperwork. There was no legality. Um, her child was illegitimate. 
So that doesn't go over well. Um, he would always say he's on important business dealings. Um, it always was somewhat shady of whether or not it was legal. It was a lot to do with the English and the French and the Revolutionary War that was happening and things like that. So who knows if it was weapons and stuff like that. Um, she named her child Fanny. So good. That continued. Um, after her glorious friend who she wanted to spend her life with. Um, her baby Fanny was very sick during the first year of her life. Uh, the pox was going around. Um, she, the baby did not get the pox, but it was very much a worry of whether or not, uh, don't want to get the pox. Um, and of course, apparently her husband was, uh, you know, also on again, off again on the prowl going around the town. It was great. Um, she was most certainly suffering from postpartum depression. Like it's obvious it's in her letters. Like she's manic one day and everything is terrible the next day she's exhausted she's tired it's just absolutely like clinical postpartum uh depression that she is suffering with on her own but she did write more books she published a historical and moral view of the french revolution in 1794 and then she left france and she tried to be with the douche canoe gilbert um but he had found somebody even newer yay um, so she tried to kill herself. He felt bad. And then they went to Sweden together to try to help out with some business dealings and the relationship just like exploded. The interesting thing was is they wrote a lot of letters to each other back and forth. And almost all of Mary's letters were kind of like court documents. <laughs> of how he treated her and what her theories were and what she deserved. She was presenting her case to the world of their relationship to be able on such a date to call his ass out. And she did, she published letters written during a short residence in Sweden, Norway, and Denmark, which is all about how their relationship exploded and she deserved better. <laughs> wow. That is revenge fueled That's letters. Amazing. <laughs> that is awesome. Right? <laughs> exactly. So she returned to London, said, screw you to uh, Gilbert Imlay. She rejoined that social circle that she was doing earlier with her publisher. And she met for the second time William Godwin. Okay. Uh, the first time that they met, Thomas Paine was there. And they didn't like each other though, because they were both trying to get Thomas Paine's attention. And so they were kind of jealous of each other, you know what I mean, of like who's getting more of mm -hmm. Thomas Paine's attention. But this time when they met, they were older, they were wiser, they weren't competing, and Thomas Paine wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> so that really kind of helped. Um, so after a very slow courtship, uh, William and Mary got married. Uh, their first, uh, it was actually her first and only legitimate marriage relationship that she had. Um, and so William took in Mary's daughter as his own. So, which was very nice, legitimized her uh, in the world. Um, William Godwin was a writer as well. Uh, he wrote political justice. He wrote about politics and ideology. He was a very big thinker of the day. So the two of them together were like, I guess the Brad and Angelina, but like with actual thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but they were like a literary powerhouse, the two of them. They're like, whatever child these two have, mm, see where I'm going? Very shallow. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, no pressure at all. Um, but they were both working on very big works in progress, um, plays and books when Mary became pregnant. On August 30th, 1797, Mary Wollstonecraft gave birth to who would marry and become Mary Shelley, the author of Frankenstein. Uh, Mary Shelley, unfortunately, would never get to know her mother, though, because Mary Wollstonecraft died 11 days after giving birth to Mary Shelley. The doctor didn't wash his hands... After giving birth, and she got an infection that was so common, it was known as childbed fever. Oh, wow. It was just from not washing your hands. Yeah. At that time, wasn't it women who went to the hospital and gave birth had a higher chance of dying than just at home because of the non-hand washing? Correct. And midwives, if they had a midwife, it was more common to have a safe delivery than it was to have the doctor called because the doctor didn't see washing his hands as important where the midwives did. No, and when they do autopsies in the hospital, yes. and they're like, oh, it's time to give birth. Let me touch you. Oh, Let me go from this autopsy to this delivery. And it's like, no. Horrifying. <sighs> yeah. So because of that, uh, Mary Shelley didn't have a mom. And so she grew up reading her mother's letters. That is how she learned about her mother. Um, And if you think about it, it's almost a form of resurrecting her mother's wisdom. And if you put that in text of Frankenstein and resurrection and Mm -hmm. bringing back the dead, all of a sudden I'm like, I see Frankenstein in a whole new sense. She was missing a connection to her mother. Mary Shelley also lost a baby as well. So, I mean death she was losing this connection yeah um and so it's like i see i just always thought it was like a monster story and i'm like i'm really not that interested but now i'm like oh i get it (laughs) i get it so uh so there there really is much more about mary wollstonecraft her mother um the library has books and books of her letters um i recommend the romantic outlaws which is the book of both of them that looks at them because their lives start to mirror each other and it's weird it's just very 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 weird um but in terms of like suffragette influence i wanted to make sure i brought it home um not only did John Adams, sorry if you're a Hamilton fan, I know him, I just had to do it, uh, was a fan of Mary Wollstonecraft, but Abigail Adams was a very big fan of her work, and she had a very famous sentence, remember the ladies? I believe Bonnie did an artwork of it. Yes. Exactly. Um, so yes, yeah, so she was a very big fan of Mary Wollstonecraft and her work on uh, women's issues. Mary would link in her work the domestic and public spheres of men and women. She wrote about how government and family are interconnected. She wrote about how the many rights of women and other inequalities that are in society. So Mary anticipated that modern theorists would argue that feminism has never simply been about women's rights. It has been about societal justice and about against the patriarchy 
in all of its different forms. And so that's what her books were about, were about a variety of different issues that need to be solved uh, for women. So, um, so it was a very solid foundation for the suffrage movement to kind of start on around the world. So that's why I wanted to cover Mary Wollstonecraft. That we're also talking about, we're covering Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and I wanted to know about this girl's mom. <laughs> <laughs> if you know about the mom sometimes. <laughs> so I have a question. Yeah. Um, so Mary Shelley, mm -hmm. um, she, I mean, she went by Mary Godwin. Wollstonecraft. Godwin, Godwin. yes. Mm -hmm. She went Mary yeah. Wollstonecraft Godwin, yes. Okay. And then when she got married to Percy B. Shelley, yes, that's when she switched out the Godwin for to the Shelley. Mary Shelley. Yes. Yep. Okay. We really need to watch the first three minutes of that drunk history. <laughs> <laughs> I love drunk history. I'm going to find that. It's oh, it's so good. Oh yeah. You want to know a very the whole thing and the whole thing. Oh, it's weird. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lovely oh. kind of weird. Yeah, the Percy and the Wollstonecrafts and the, mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Powerhouses of their day. They both wrote revolutionary work. I mean, Mary Shelley, uh, there was no such thing as a horror genre before she wrote Right, she created it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, revolutionary women. <laughs> and um, more than likely, uh, her first sexual encounter was on her mother's grave. Oh, I just had to say it. <laughs> She's like the original goth girl. Yes, the yes. original goth girl, yes. <laughs> she was obsessed with her mother's grave, and so that's where she lost her virginity. And I'm like, oh! oh wow, well, that, that's a bit much. So is Frankenstein. <laughs> It's Girls working shit out, okay? Totally. We all have different ways we do it. <laughs> no, I've been following totally. along on the uh, the Franken Friday, and it is a lot different than I thought it was. It's, yeah. It, it's not really... It's not know, monsters. It's intellectual. Like, yeah. It's very different. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that either. I just kind of thought, ooh, oh, brave. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really, I didn't give it its, uh, its time. And uh, now I've got to, because fascinating. <laughs> now, I tell you, every time you were talking about Thomas Sense by, or Common Sense by Thomas Paine, I'm hearing Angelica Schuyler. <laughs> Some people think that I'm nuts or I'm insane. Yes, exactly. Yes. I, I do love me some Hamilton references, and I love them oh more. Gosh. People know them now. Absolutely. <laughs> now I'm not the only crazy person in the yard going, I'm oh, going to go to work. work. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, that's what I say. I'm going to go to work, work. And then my daughter goes, Angelica. <laughs> and Peggy. Exactly. Freaking love Peggy. I know. Oh, here's a good story about Peggy. She defended her house with an axe. <laughs> Peggy like was a do. badass. Yes, exactly. There was somebody trying to get to kidnap their father, and Peggy started running down the stairs with an axe and scared them away. I like it. She's badass. That's good stuff. <laughs> yep, but yet in the musical. And Peggy. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up Suffrage Month. Join us next Monday when we batten down the hatches when we set sail for treasure 
Cause it be pirate month, y'all. about pirate month. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and matey. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gals Guide patron today. Thanks for listening.